Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Lakutamaran share. I'm Shia Sussman. This is our 37th inside text based Lakutamaran share. Uh, the ideas of these shirim are is where you could find out what Rebbe Nachman actually says, because he gets quoted for all sorts of things, often misquoted. And in uh, these shirim, part of the idea is to be able to open up Lakutamaran for anyone, whether you're a beginner learner and you want to learn inside or whether you're an advanced learner and you want to hear more ideas and different insights, there's always infinite depth into the Svarim. So uh, before we begin, as always, uh, you can find the other previous classes on breastlove.org, or you can go to my SoundCloud account uh, at Nach Daily or Shia Sussman, and you'll be able to find all the previous classes and everything. Tonight, and more specifically, this is our third class in this lesson, lesson 65, in the first section in Likud Maran, I'm going to do the screen share shortly. We'll probably do one more uh, in this lesson before we move on. And uh, before we jump in, and again, tonight also, we're going to go further in the lesson, and we're going to have our Hanukkah connection, because this is going to be the last class I'm giving before Hanukkah. So what better way to prepare for Hanukkah than with Rabbi Nachman? So it's just amazing how everything is going to fit together. We're going to come back to that in the end. And a, uh, we're going to do a quick recap uh, before we jump right into the text. So basically, this is Rabbi Nachman's famous lesson on suffering. In the first class, we learned about, it was a general discussion of tikkune neshamas, of soul corrections and fixing. We learned about the naked neshamas outside of Gan Eden. We also learned that there's something called abal hasadeh, a master of the field, the great tzaddik, a tzaddik that is extraordinary, who is able to seemingly bring these naked souls that are outside Gan Eden into Gan Eden, meaning to say that through the Bala Sada, through the master of the field, uh, he's able to bring the neshamas that seem that they have no tikkun, tikkun back, and he's able to give them a tikkun. Last week, in last, in last year, we discussed more specifically uh, different concepts in human suffering and how to mitigate, it was more a practical class on how to mitigate human suffering and how to deal with emotional grief, how to deal with emotional pain. And we spoke about that. And this week we're going to jump more into that, how to deal with emotional pain. It's really gonna continue uh, from last week's class, but even if you're just joining us tonight for tonight's class or you're just finding the video on YouTube, so we're gonna give plenty of background information that we'll be able to jump right in. There's definitely what to gain. So I'm excited about that. So now let's just give the runner and then we'll jump right into the text. I don't wanna to spend too much time on introductory remarks. We'll jump right into the text. But as the runner is, again, last week we spoke about one of the ways to mitigate suffering is to have a long-term vision. Meaning to say, Rabbi Nachman said, that if you wanna see something in the distance, you open your eyes. If you wanna see something even further, you squint your eyes. But if you want to see even beyond, what do you do? You close your eyes completely. You close your eyes from this world completely and you project your consciousness onto that ultimate day. You imagine by Yomahu Yechad that on that ultimate day, Hashem and his name will one when we'll see that all the suffering, all the emotional pain, all the grief, all the, the depression, all the anxiety, all the worry that a person experiences in this world when a person is able to have such a far-reaching vision, they're able to begin with the end in mind and they're able to mitigate harsh judgment. 
Now, because that's the ultimate tachlis of the world, to see that Hashem's name is one, that everything is going to be kula tov, kula perfect. So it comes out, as we were saying last time, that a person is able to have olam haba and olam hazeh. They're able to have the world to come in this world when they're able to have such a long, far-reaching vision and project their consciousness in such a deep way that that projection of the mind, that gift of using your thought and that your, your thought and imagination that way is able to kind of what he calls, and this is relevant for tonight, mevatling yourself to the tachlis, that there's a certain bittel, there's a certain humbling that comes on when a person's able to do that and that humbling allows in the light of Hashem, and they're able to be, oh, just letting someone else in here, and they're able to be mavato themselves to the tachlis, as he says. So uh, what we're going to see now is that uh, it's amazing how Rabbi Nachman plays both sides of the coin, what we're going to see. That as just we spoke about this amazing lofty level of mitigating emotional pain and grief and suffering through having an amuna mind through projecting your mind so far ahead that a person's able to experience the light of the future in the current moment to mitigate emotional grief. But what he's going to say is, and this is so awesome, it's it's amazing what he's going to say. He's going to say that even though that's true, you can't remain in that state forever. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to jump right in and we're going to hone in on the first little bit of lines over here and then we're going to read quicker as the share goes on. So let me pull up the screen share. Okay, uh, so let me make this bigger for everyone over here. Okay, Dalit. We're starting in letter Dalit. Once again, this is lesson 65 in Lakutim Aran, Samech Hey, and we're starting from letter four over here. And we'll read, we'll explain. Uh, generally, that's how we do it here. Okay, Vihine. <clears throat> And behold, at the time when a person is mavato, they're nullified, <clears throat> they're humbled or subjugated. When they're totally humbled to the tachlis, the purpose, which is awesome, which is totally good. It's all one. Then in truth, a person mitigates the judgment and the emotional pain that they have just like we were explaining. But you should know, it's impossible, even though you're able to connect to that, it's impossible to constantly be in a state of humility. Because if you would do so, then you'd be like an angel. But Al King, right? If a person was always humbled, they were always able to remain on that level, they'd be like an angel who's totally buttled to Hashem's light. Uh, king, and you, you wouldn't be a man. But Therefore, it's, it has to be, it's necessary for a person, their bittel, their subjugation, their humility to be ratzavishav. And we're going to come back to explain this in a moment. It has to be back and forth. Ups and downs, you read this in Elias. Therefore, when your intellect comes back into your mind from the time when you were mavato yourself, shehu kli hasechel, that your mind is the kli uh, hasechel, it's the vessels of the intellect. Azai ef Therefore, it's impossible for the perceptions, and we're going to explain all this 
that when you're kind of like when your intellect, your, your mind, it goes so far reaching, then what happens is your intellect kicks in, right? Your rational mind kicks in and it starts thinking and overthinking and analyzing. And then all of a sudden that wonderful experience of being Mavata yourself gets ruined because we use our gift of thought to think ourselves out of our well-being and think ourselves out of our more natural state of being. Right? Which is this, this idea of projecting your mind into the future world is ain't so if it's unlimited, right? Because we know the, the Hashem's light, this unlimited light is the purpose. And therefore, because of this, the brain or the mind feels the pain of suffering. Okay, I know that was a mouthful, but we're going to come and explain that. We're going to explain that now. Okay, so Rabbi Nachman says, he's saying over here, we'll just give a recap, that even though a person's able to be mavato themselves to the tachlis, even though that a person could have those moments when they could see that even their suffering is ultimately good for them because ultimately, ultimately this is part of Hashem's plan and this is what Hashem wants from us and therefore they're able to project their mind into a world that is filled with pure bliss and ultimate goodness. Nevertheless, Rabbi Nachman's saying over here, he's saying an amazing thing. You see the soul psychologist. He's saying it's impossible to be in that state forever. Okay, yeah, you could reach that state. You could reach that madrega, but you could, you ha- he says, it's muhrach that you have to be ratzavishov. It's necessary. It has to be that even though you reached a higher state of consciousness, even though that you reached a higher level, it has to be that you have to come down from that level. That you cannot stay in the same emotional state 100% of the time. It's impossible. Why? Because if, not, if, if you were able to constantly stay in that state of awareness, in that state of consciousness, or in that emotional level, then you'd be an angel. <laughs> right? So <clears throat> what's an angel? Right? Uh, an angel is someone is always in awareness of the presence of God. So Hashem created us, uh, right? The Gemara says in many places, the Torah wasn't given to angels, right? So if we were, if we were always had to, if we were always on the same level, we wouldn't be human anymore. So he says it's mukhrach, it's necessary that a person has to be Ratzavishav, that a person has to go back and forth. So this is like a really, really big deal this statement over here, because something that I, that, I, that I see people struggle with, and as a therapist, I see in my practice all the time, is that I always hear people saying like, oh, I was doing so good, but now I'm doing so bad. Poor me, right? Or, oh, I was doing wonderful, and I was feeling happy, and I was feeling good, and I was feeling secure, and I was getting above my problems, but look at me, I've fallen. And they use that as a, as a raya, they're keeping score. So they're using that as a proof against themselves. Now I must be really messed up. Why? Because I was doing good and now I'm not doing good. I was able to maintain a certain emotional state, a certain level of sobriety, a certain whatever it is, state of well-being, and now I've fallen. So there must be something wrong with me, right? So I think in here really lies a, uh, there's really a, a, a lack of appreciation for the human condition, meaning to say that there's a lack of appreciation for the rules of life that by virtue of the fact we're in this world, 
we have to play by the rules of this world. And what are the rules of this world? That no one could stay in the same level of consciousness of God all the time, right? So, so because we can't, it's, it's like, uh, it's by design, right? By design, Hashem made us that you have to go in and out of feeling states. So this internal talk that people have with themselves, oh my God, look at me, I used to be doing so well, I'm not now, now I'm really not doing so well, I must be really messed up, or I must be really broken. Rabbi Nachman is coming along and saying, no, in order to deal with suffering, you need to understand, you can't stay at the same level always. It's impossible, it's against the rules of creation, and that's not what Hashem wants. Hashem wants you to be a human being, and therefore, you have to go in and out of feeling states. You can't stay on the same time. You have to go up and down, and that's part of the rules of the creation, and that's part of our humanity. Another point I want to say on this is, as well, it's a little bit more of a psychological point, is that uh, this has to do with perfectionism as well. Because someone who's a perfectionist, they're always demanding on themselves 100%, 100% of the time, right? So we need to understand that it's impossible to be on the same level. So even, even, even if you reach a very high place, or even if you, you have those per- perfectionist tendencies that you always need to do 100%, 100% of the time, it's impossible. You can't. So what happens is a person becomes burnt out or a person feels down about themselves when they're always pushing and pushing and pushing. And meanwhile, they're pushing, they're running themselves down because there's a lack of appreciation for the human condition. As Rabbi Nachman says, it has to be that a person goes ups and downs. Otherwise, you'd be like an angel. And I just want to say one more, one more point on this because it's, it's such an amazing thing, what he's saying right now. And again, he said this 200 years ago. Uh, one, one proof to this that I want to say is that uh, interesting proof over here is that what happened, uh, you see the difference between David HaMelech and Tehillim. Why? Because David HaMelech, he was a Navi. And what's a, what's a Nevuah, right? Nevuah is like the highest state of consciousness, right? It's like the totally, you're Mavatal to God, right? And David HaMelech wrote Tehillim. Tehillim is found not in Nevi'im. Tehillim is found in Kesuvim. So what's the difference between Nevi'im and Kesuvim? Nevi'im were written in a state of Nevu'ah, in, in a prophetic state, while Ksuvim was written in a state of Ruach HaKodesh, which is a lower level, right? So David HaMelech, who was a Navi, right, who's an unbelievable, you know, unbelievable individual who Mashiach comes from, even he had to fall to states of Ruach HaKodesh, even he had to fall to lower states, and therefore the Sefer that he wrote to Hillam is codified in the, in Ksuvim, which is a.k.a. books of Ruach HaKodesh and not books of Nevuah. At least the point that I want to bring from here is that you see that the greatest men of all time have to play by the rules of creation, right? David HaMelech, who Mashiach comes from. He's not exempt from falling in his feeling state. So much so where the Sefer that he wrote, Tehillim, is put in the book of Ruach HaKodesh, which is considered a lower level, right? So certainly us, regular people, who are not on amazing levels like David Amelech, we also have to, we also have to play by the rules, uh, play by the rules of creation. Okay, I wanted to. That was an important point. So now we're going to go back into the screen share, and we're going to read a little bit more. Okay, in this highlighted area. Uh, because the main pain, the main sense of pain and emotional grief 
that a person feels from a suffering, chas v'shalom, hu behamoach, that is in the mind. Ki amoach yotzin tzinuros, because from the mind, there's these pipelines that go out, l'kol varum kulam, they'll go out to your entire body. And therefore, it gets sent down through your central nervous system and your limb winds up feeling that pain. Okay, we're going to stop on this line. We're going to pick up the pace a little bit, but these are just revolutionary lines over here. That Rabbi Nachman says the main reason why a person feels pain because it starts in the mind. So the main reason why is because your brain is your command center of your entire body. So when you feel some pain that sends it down through these pipelines, through your nervous system, and then you wind up feeling it in your, uh, your leg or whatever limb that you have. Now, if you've been following these shirum for some time, this shouldn't be a chiddish to you. Why? Because Rabbi Nachman, we get a glimpse here from how Rabbi Nachman understood that he says that all pain and yisurim and suffering are rooted in the mind. So what we see, it's really in between the lines that Rabbi Nachman understood that all feelings are a result of thought, that all feelings are rooted in your mind and that a thought and a feeling are really one and the same. That if you're feeling something, right, that means something is going on in your mind, <laughs> right? Because there's a direct connection here. He really spells it out because sinuros, there are pipelines to show that your thinking is what creates your feeling that you can't have a feeling without a thought behind it. And therefore, when a person feels pain, it's because these pipelines, in his, he's thinking in his mind, oh my gosh, this stinks, oh my gosh, this stinks, or like we learned in uh, last week's class, that your awareness gets deleted from your brain, right? So now a person can't connect to that ultimate reality of they don't understand that everything is good for you, Right, and therefore, since you have a lack of understanding, you have a lack of awareness, you become confused. Now, those that type of thinking, that type of mindset, that type of perception or consciousness now creates those feelings of suffering within your mind. So, this, this is great. This is great because you see how Rabbi Nachman understood all feelings are a result of thought. Okay, back inside, Vida, and you should know. So therefore, when a person, they wind up a, uh, they wind up returning from their bittel, from their state of nullification, el hakelim, to their proper mind, the hainu amochin, right? A person, they feel down and out, they feel broken, and they, uh, they wind up calling out to God, they reach out to God, and they have a certain state of humility, right? And now they return to their natural selves. Now, he says something very interesting. I'm going to ask a question over here. I don't really have a good answer for it, and I wonder what people are going to say. But we'll read it, and I'll ask the question. So when a person returns from their state of humility and wind up being their more natural self, now, all of a sudden, Yusurim pain increases to what it was prior. He's going to explain like two people that are fighting or wrestling against each other. When one individual sees that he's being overpowered by his friend, then he strengthens himself even more and he tries to fight his way back. So too, 
Kisharon habale dinim shehu rotze leskabra al yisurim. When the bale dinim, when the litigant, litigants of judgment see that the individual wants to overcome on his pain, ulavatlam, and get rid of them, al yidei habitel el hatachlis kenal, through nullifying himself to the ultimate purpose of this world. Then they wind up strengthening themselves. And therefore, afterwards, when they return from their from their perceptions, then their pain is even greater than it was before. Because you're strengthening yourself against it. Because you want to run away from them, canal. Hold on, stop the screen share. So Rabbi Nachman is saying a very interesting thing over here. Uh, he's saying, so after a person, they attain that level and they're able to uh, come to terms with their yusurim and they're come to have their pain settled within their minds and they're able to deal with it. And they, in that state of nullification, what happens now is he seems to say, that the pain comes back even more, even greater. Just like two people are wrestling with each other, when the person sees that he's about to lose, the other person strengthens himself to overpower that they shouldn't lose. So it comes out that a person who overcomes their suffering, all of a sudden the denim strengthen against them and try to overpower them, and they wind up suffering at times even more. So my, my question is over here is why is that? Like, why is it that, I mean, I didn't have an answer for this. Uh, if, if anyone wants to offer an answer or for those who are going to watch this year on YouTube later, I wonder, leave a comment in the description or something that why is it that after a person returns from this state, all of a sudden the Dean have strengthened themselves to try to put you down even more. Like, why is that? Anyone on the, anyone on the share wants to offer an answer. I'm open for suggestions, but uh, I don't. I don't really know why that is. Though the, there's, the, I thought of two answers. I don't know if Matt, any. Can I? Can oh. I say anything? What, what exactly is he saying? Um, what is? Can you flesh it out a little bit more? Uh, yeah, he's saying that basically a person goes through an experience of suffering, and then they then they wind up. Then they wind up feeling settled. They say, "Okay, you know, this happened. It's pretty bad." You know, I don't like it, whatever it is, but they come to terms with it and they have some sort of understanding that it's from Hashem, right? So he's saying now he's adding like an extra thing. Okay, that I got, right? But now he seems to be saying for some reason, though, even though a person starts to come to terms with that, they wind up, it could be that they wind up suffering even more, even after they become okay with it. Which it seems like now that you're okay with it, now Dinam might strengthen themselves against you even more, <laughs> right? So uh, I'm just curious, like, like, why is he adding that? Like, why? Like, once now it, that you were, now you that test, you were, what? Once you pass one test, then you've proven that you could pass that test. So now you're going to come back up to that test and you're going to get tested with another level. You're going to get oh. tested with another level. Okay. I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking the same thing. You were yeah. thinking the same thing. Okay. Yeah, that, that could be one answer. I think once you recognize, yeah, you recognize what Hashem, why he's doing it to you, then Hashem now gives you more opportunity to recognize him even, even more. 
Okay, recognize him even more. Okay, I mean that's that. I would. That's what I was thinking in, in different words. I was thinking that uh, that's the rules of the spiritual world. That there's always going to be a counterforce, right? It's the same thing that Hashem gives you another opportunity. It means there's going to be a, a counterforce trying to stop you, and it's your job to cultivate that desire in order to overcome uh, that adversity or that difficulty or that challenge in life. And like we've learned in previous classes that the, uh, that the point of difficulty is for a person to create desire, right? So a person, they come to some sort of peace of mind, literally peace of mind as Rabbi Nachman's talking about, right? They come to some sort of peace of mind of whatever happened to them, but now all of a sudden uh, a person gets obstacles in order to cultivate their desire for them to overcome and grow more. That was, that was something like that must be the answer, something along those lines. Another thing that I, 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 that I thought of that might be a possible answer, again, I, I don't know, uh, but it, it was perplexing to me. Another thing is that I once saw in the Meshiloach, the Ishbitzer Rebbe, he says that only people with Amuna get tested in the areas of Amuna. So it could be that you could have a person that they, uh, you know, they're not so Amunadic, you know? So like, they, they, don't feel, they don't feel embattled by life itself because like, okay, like Hashem's not testing in that area, but you could have a very religious person who's dedicated to Amuna who feels like their life is in inner turmoil and strife, right? And that could be because it's precisely because they have Amuna, they're getting tested in the area of Amuna again, which will create a certain sense of embattlement and entanglement uh, within them. So therefore, that this person is reaching for high level of Amunas, so now again, they get tested in the area of Amuna again, Amuna. and that creates a certain embattlement uh, within them. I don't know. I think also, Shaya. Yeah. I want to add one other thing that, you know, Hashem doesn't do anything for no reason. So if a person is suffering and doesn't realize that it's from Hashem, then there's no point in Hashem further making him suffer because the, Hashem doesn't do something just for no reason. Person has to recognize. And if he doesn't recognize it, so then Hashem won't continue with it. Okay. I like what you're saying. I'm going to restate that for the listeners. That uh, Hashem sends a person pain, which is in line with what we're saying, for them to recognize that there's Hashem, <laughs> right? So if you don't recognize it, Hashem kind of, in a certain way, releases you from that burden. Uh, okay. I like what everyone's saying. Tani, I like what you're saying. We're going to go back into the screen share, and we're going to switch gears. I, I want to give a little preface for this now. Uh, it's going to switch. Hold on. It's going to switch gears a little bit, and it's going to be a little bit technical drushes. I don't want to get too bogged down in the drushes, but we're going to read through it. And we'll, again, we're going, to, we're going to talk about what it means, and it will get even clearer because we're going to talk about this piece in relation to Hanukkah, and we'll kind of, we'll, we'll kind of wind with that. So if, if, if you're listening and you're getting confused by the technical drushes and whatnot, we're going to come back, explain it. We're going to, we're going to spend the rest of this year fleshing it out. It's exciting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, everybody. Okay. Uh, okay, we're up to Acherkach. Okay, there we go. Let's see. Okay, so I'm going to do a bunch of reading now, and then we'll do it. Okay. Acherkach. Okay, boom. Acherkach mekilin hayisurin umisnachamin alehem aidei hischadshah satora. So afterwards, after this whole process that we're talking about, that a person understands that it's from Hashem and they come to some sort of comfort with that and they strengthen themselves once again, 
right? So afterwards, the yisur and the suffering starts to release themselves on the individual and then comes to a, uh, it comforts them through the relation of novelty ideas in Torah. And we're going to get, this is going to become clear. That because a person suffered, they were able to pull out some level of Torah understanding from that. Because through suffering, a person comes to humility. And afterwards, even though that a person, they return from their state of bittel, nevertheless, from the imprint that remained from the time when they were in that state of humility, so from the remnant and from the imprint, that the person received when they were in that high state of, of loftiness, of humility. So then from that imprint, from that, uh, that mark, that watermark, uh, that becomes, they're able to pull out from their revelations in Torah. Hishadshut HaTorah. Ki habitol, through humility, shenizbato el hatachlis, that a person... Uh, connected to the ultimate purpose of this world, right? Which is on that day, Hashem and his name will one, was one. And when a person understand that Hashem does everything for the good. And so they understood that the pain that they had was tremendously good things that Hashem did for them. Like we learned about in the last class. Through this, a person gets filled with happiness. And happiness, joy, is the vessel that brings novelty, novel ideas in Torah. Like Chazal saying, At the times when the Jewish nation said, we will do and we will listen. Six hundred thousand angels came down and gave two crowns on the on the on the heads of every Jew, right? One for Nasa and one for, one Nishma, one for Nishma, right? But when they sinned, right? Uh, Hashem took away those. It doesn't bring the full Chazal here, but Hashem took away those crowns when they did the Chet Eagle. But Asid, but in the future, Hashem's going to give us back those crowns for Nasa and Nishma. Shene'emar that the simcha, there'll be in a certain elatedness in their mind, which is representing these crowns that they received at Harsinai. Nimsa, he's going to bring the Joshua full circle, Nimsa, so it comes out, that happiness, joy, is like nasev it's like accepting upon yourself the yoke of Torah. Shehu bechinas Kabbalah Torah, which is like receiving the Torah. Right, so he's, he's making a little bit of a drasha over here, that through happiness, a person gets to Torah. Why? Because the Jews got the crowns. The Jews received the crowns. And the Pasuk says that they were happy and elated in their minds. So when a person's elated in their minds, that allows them to receive the Torah. And in the future, right, when you're nisbatel to the tachlis, that brings you that sense of elation, of happiness and pain in the current moment. Again, this is going to get clear 
and I don't want to get too bogged down in your drushes as well. The Ayyadeh Hischatshah Torah, but through, through Hischatshah Satorah, Shizokhin, that a person merited Ayyadeh Hershimu Shel HaBittol, through the imprint of the Bittol, Kinal, Ayyadeh Zet, Mekaren Har Yisurin Acherkach. Ki Ayyadeh Zet, Mechavin Simon HaNefesh. Okay, hold on, let me just, let me stop here for a second just to recap. So Rabbi Nachman is saying that the suffering brings a person to a greater understanding of life. Uh, a, and not only a greater understanding of life, but a greater understanding of Torah, <laughs> right? That why? Because a person, they were misvatal to the tachlis. The ultimate purpose of this life, that the Hashem is kulotov, Hashem is pure bliss, Hashem is amazing, and everything He does is amazing. And there's an ultimate purpose to all human suffering and everything that happens in our life. So when a person connects to that, so they become so happy that they had pain because they see that the pain, there was a reason for their pain. There was a purpose to their pain. It wasn't for nothing. It wasn't because it was random. There was actually a, a deep meaning, a deep tikkun anefesh, a deep reason that's happening. And we can't always figure that out, right? It's like with trauma treatment, one of the things they talk about with trauma treatment is finding meaning in pain, finding meaning in suffering. And there's ultimately... It's tikkunei neshamas. Ultimately, no matter what we could come up with, it's not as good as what Hashem could come up with. So when we humble ourselves to this place, and we, and again, and we have some sort of order understanding, and we start looking for that in our lives, the imprint of that allows us to pull out the hidden Torah that is in that place. The imprint of that allows us to have what Rabbi Nachman is calling chedushe Torah. Why? Because when a person starts seeing that there's a purpose to their pain, now they start becoming happy, they start becoming calm, they start becoming more rational, right? And as Rabbi Nachman is saying that a precondition, uh, one of the conditions of receiving the Torah, one of the things that happens when a person uh, needs an order to receive the Torah is happiness, right? As they said, Nasev and Ishma, they were so happy, they received those two crowns, but the Jewish people left. So that gift of consciousness, those two crowns, got taken away from them. But he says in the future, we're going to receive those crowns back. We're going to receive the crowns of Nasev and Ishma back. Why? Because it all comes from being happy. Mitzvah gedola lios basimcha. It's a very big mitzvah to be happy, right? So because we're happy, we're going to receive those crowns back. So what happens? I'm just, it's, it's a little bit technical over here, right? But what happens? Rabbi Nachman is saying, because a person has some understanding that there's a purpose to their pain, Right, and they're able to understand that there's a divine order in this world, and that there's a reason behind everything that they're going through. Right, so now they're able to become happy. Now they're able to become happy. So what happens? Right, just like in the future, we're going to receive those crowns of Nasev and Nishma because we're happy. So now we're happy now from all the pain. Right, so now we're able to receive an extra dose of Torah from the imprint of understanding that everything Hashem does is for the good. There's what to be happy about, and that allows us to pull out the Torah even more. So beautiful, it's it's such a beautiful thing. And here here's where Lukud Maran is difficult. It's a hard safer, you know. We're we're talking this out, but it, it's so beautiful. Okay. Again, we're going to read through this and then we'll speak it out and hopefully become clear again uh, as we continue. 
as we continue to learn more. Hold on one second. Okay. And through this, it quelches the thirst of the soul. Because feeling pain creates desire. Because thirst comes through saltiness. And salt is like pain. Right? We say in English, I don't want to insult you. <laughs> like Chazal say, it says there was a covenant over salt. And it says that there was a covenant by pain. Because the nefesh, that part of the neshama, the nefesh is the daughter of the seichel, of the intellect. Because the way may a person's nefesh grows is through their intellect. And when a person raises and grows their nefesh or their intellect, like it says, without a mind, without wisdom, the soul's no good. Meaning to say, when you feed your mind, you're feeding your soul. And when your mind is in perfect, in, is perfect, now it gives forth produce. Right? But if your seichel is is uh, blemished, if your understanding is lacking, therefore it's like you're growing dried up fruit, salty fruit. And the malichus, the saltiness, is like pain. Hold on. Let me move this over. One second. Hold on. Okay. That a person feels because their mind's not complete. And this is like the thirst of the soul. But through the revelation of Torah, then a person there, Yisurim become quelched and they wind up, their thirst becomes, uh, becomes uh, satisfied. Like Yeshaya Navi says, woe is to uh, any person who's thirsting for water, right? That's a mashal for Torah. And this what the Pasuk says, praiseworthy is the person that was inflicted and that he winded up learning from the Torah because it's the afflictions that a person has which leads to a new understanding of Torah. Because through pain, a person reaches a higher understanding of Torah. And this is a sign that a person person can say on themselves that they actually uh, dealt with their pain well and their grief well. That when a person could say on themselves, I handled my situation well, when they pulled out more Torah from the situation. Because this is a sign that a person had an understanding of God, right? That they were themselves to the ultimate purposes in this world. And through this, and through this, they were zochet to the, the uh, novelty ideas in Torah through the very fact that they were mavata themselves to the tachlis.
So I know that's a, uh, I know that's a mouthful. I know that's a mouthful there. We're going to, we're going to explain this basically a little bit that a person that suffering brings a person, as we're saying to a, a renewed desire in Torah, right? So uh, when a person, when a person is filled with bitter tears, right? When a person's filled with, with, with saltiness, with uh, that bitterness creates a tzimon, creates a longing. It creates a certain, it, 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 it creates a certain desire for God. Meaning to say a person suffering and they feel dehydrated from Hashem. And you ask yourself, where's Hashem in all this? Why do I have to go through this? Why do I have to go through this difficulty? Why do I have to go through this relationship? Why do I have to go through this addiction? Why do I have to go through this pain? And a person's asking, where's Hashem in all this? Kind of like we learned in our lessons of Aye, Mekom Kivodo, we learned that. And what this does, it creates a certain bitterness, a certain saltiness. But at the same time, what does that do? That this thirsting allows a person to draw God into their lives, right? And allows a person to clarify their unique understanding of God. And what happens is, is that this desire of being mavata, this desire in return that a person feels so beaten down by their pain and their suffering and the difficulty that they're going through, that allows themselves to say, God, I can't figure it out anymore. (laughs) I can't figure it out. I'm throwing it on you. However you want it to turn out, however you want it to be, I'm okay with that. So now as a person, from their tzima'on, from their malichas, from their saltiness, from their tears, right? They're mavatim themselves atachas, and now they pull out the chedush in their raisa. They pull out the lessons of life. They pull out the lessons in Torah, and that in itself quenches the tzimon of the neshama. That itself quenches your thirst for Hashem, and a person's now able to have a new idea of Hashem, a new understanding of God. And this is, really a, this is really an amazing thing. And then he says that if you want to see a, uh, if you want to see if you made it through successfully, so the way you can see that is if you were able to pull out the, what he calls the chidushin de araisa, the chidushin Torah, your new understanding of God, your, that you didn't throw in the towel. <laughs> right? Or at least if you did, you picked it back up again, right? And you strengthen yourself, you understand that there is a tikkun neshama, there is a purpose to your pain, and it's not for nothing. And you're able to not only make meaning that, but make meaning that in a spiritual way, under, understanding that hakolotovana, everything comes from Hashem. So now I wanted to flesh this out a little bit more, and here we're going to connect it to Hanukkah. So this is really cool. This is really cool how it connects to Hanukkah over here. I, uh, as I always like to say, but wait, there's more. Hey, uh, how does this connect to Hanukkah? Uh, as it's right around the corner. So I think it connects like this, right? So Rabbi, what we learned tonight is, is that Rabbi Nachman said, a person can't ever stay on the same level forever. You can't stay close to God all the time. So what happened was is, it, even if you reached a very high level, you have to fall. You can't stay in that same place. So the Jews during the time of Hanukkah had the Beis HaMikdash. They had the Or Hashem was shining. It was a very, very high point. But yet, we know, the rules of creation are that a person can never stay on the same level. So what happened? The Jewish nation started to descend. And then there was a split between the Hellenists and the religious, right? And the Kohanim weren't what they used to be. 
because it's impossible to stay on the same level the whole times. So it had to be that the Jews are going to fall and that there's going to be a denigration of the base of Migdash. So much so that Hashem allowed the Yavanim to come and defile the base of Migdash, right? We know Hashmanim, and the Jews suffered immensely. There was immense emotional suffering, physical suffering. There was a war, right? And they were humbled. They were totally humbled by their suffering, wondering, where's Hashem? Where's the purpose to this pain? Right? And what happened is, as Rabbi Nachman said, two people fighting back and forth with each other, right? They began to fight back physically, right? Yehuda Maccabi, Matizyahu and Eschevra, they started waging a war, right? Because once you start humbling yourself to the Tachlis, now the other side tries to be Mizgaber, even more so, like Rabbi Nachman was saying. So physically, they started waging a war against the Yavanim at that time. But, and even though they were successful, right? Even though they were successful, uh, they started winning the war, right? And fighting back. And ultimately, they did win the war. Now that they, and they were starting to be Mavata the Yisurin, they now made into the base of Migdash and they started looking for oil. And they looked around. The physical pain was over. But now they were stuck with the emotional grief and the trauma and everything that happened around them. And they felt, what's going on here, right? And they felt even more down and they came to the base of Migdash and there was totally, there was total devastation and everything was tummy. So even after they, even after they passed the first test, even after they saw God and everything, right? They, the pain still, they had it again, you can't stand the same level and they came back and they felt pain again, right? So what they do, so what happened over here? So I think I, uh, what happened over here is basically is I want to say that they, when they were so dejected and they saw that they had no oil to light with, so in a sense, they closed their eyes completely from this world and they imagined, right, a day of they imagined that there's going to be a day when everything is totally good and everything is totally fine. And they started to draw from the light of La'asulovo. They started to draw from the light of redemption. And what happened? They took that little pach shemen of oil, that little thing of oil, and because they were so connected to the light of redemption, the light of La'asulovo, you know what happened? A nace happened. And the light of Geula shined through the menorah, of that, uh, through the menorah in the base of Migdash, as we say, Haneros Halalu Kodeshim. These lights are Kodesh. Why? Because as all the Sfarim say, these are the lights of La'asid Lavo, the Oros of La'asid Lavo that are shining down on us now. That when a person closes their eyes completely from this world, they're able to connect to La'asid Lavo in this world exactly right now as they were. And what happened is their suffering got flipped into hope, <laughs> right? Now they saw the meaning behind their pain because they were now drawing from La'asid Lavo. They were connecting to a world way beyond themselves. And all this, ha all this happened through the process of exactly what Rabbi Nachman is saying about suffering. So at that time, when that occurred, there was a tremendous longing. And what happened? Because there was such a tzimon hanefesh, and they felt so, such malichas, such tears from everything that was happening. What happened? There was new chidushet Torah. What was the new chidushet Torah happened? The new chag of Hanukkah. We have a new thing, it's, which is a real chiddush. Why? Because we make a bracha, Asher Kiddushanu Hashanu Hashem, you commanded us to do this, Lahad Likner Chanukah, to light the lights of Chanukah, when the entire 
when the entire Hanukkah is a mitzvah, is a derabanan. No place in the Torah does it say to light the menorah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's totally a mitzvah derabanan. And we say, Hashem, you commanded us as if it's a mitzvah deraisa. So through the softening, through the Hirshimu, through the imprint of the light of the Asad Lavo that they were able to experience from their suffering, what happened, right? They pulled down the Chidushe Torah. They pulled down, they drew down the new lights of the lights of Hanukkah, the new lights of Yontav that we say, Hashem, you commanded us to do it, even though it doesn't say it one single place in the Torah to light the menorah and have celebrate for eight days the light of Hanukkah. And additionally, how does this connect to previous year? How does this connect to previous year? Because what we say, it's through the tzaddikim that bring the tikkun neshamas. It was Yehuda HaMakabi, Ematis Yahu, right? These great, great tzaddikim that were fighting on behalf of Bnei Yisrael to say, no, 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 even though you messed up, there's still a tikkun. There's still a tikkun. Even though it's down, even though everything's destroyed, yesh tikkun lakol, even the neshamas amarumas could come back into Gan Eden, the naked souls could come back into Gan Eden. We're going to search for that little pach shaman, and we're going to draw from the light of La Asalava all through the advice of the tzaddikim, which is something that we learned that the tzaddik Kagodo, the bala sada has the ability to do. So now what do we do? This is why we have Hanukkah, right? To give us strength through, our all, through all the suffering of Gullahs to understand that we could experience the light of La'asad Lavo right now through the Hanukkah list. These lights are holy. And therefore, in the, just like in Hanukkah, there was meaning to our pain and there was meaning to suffering. And that led to Chedush Daraisa, a greater understanding of life and chizik and strength and drawing down the light of Hashem. So too, our message is, nowadays, that message is, that even though we're suffering immensely through our 2,000 years of Galas, there's still purpose to our pain, there's still meaning to our pain, and there's an exact reason why Hashem does it. In the future, we'll find out. But Baruch Hashem, I'd like to add, nowadays Gullus is winding down, and we have a lot to look forward to. So when we light the lights of the menorah this year, let's have in mind to turn all, all pain into pleasure, to, turn, to mitigate all emotional grief, that we should be able to understand that yesh tachlis hakol, there is a purpose to every single thing in life, even if we don't understand it. And, and, and we're not supposed to understand, as Rabbi Nachman said, that piece of information gets deleted from your brain. And through that, that brings us to a higher place. And we should look at Hana to give us strength and fortitude and also to deal with the challenges in life and to deal with grief, to deal with suffering. And with that, everyone, I never know how to end. Good job. Okay, any... Uh,